If you found your passion for meteorology or storm chasing through severe weather-focused movies or shows, you will love this episode of Weather Geeks. Our guest on today's podcast is Jamie Winterstern, who wrote and directed the movie Supercell that was recently released in mid-March to kick off the severe weather season. Jamie is the youngest to ever direct and produce an NBC primetime drama show. It was called Siberia. It was about the survival in the frigid wilderness, so he knows a thing or two about creating suspense in the elements. Will Supercell become the new twister, or will it create its own path within the weather movie genre? Let's hear from the man himself. Welcome, Jamie, to the Weather Geeks podcast. Uh, Thank you. I'm excited to be here. You know, are, you, are you a weather geek or a nature geek? I mean, clearly we'll get into some of your background in general, but I usually start this podcast off asking how did you become a weather geek? So are you a weather geek? I'm totally a weather geek. I, I'm from Montreal, Canada. I grew up in Montreal and it's cold up there during the winters. A lot of Montrealers are, are considered snowbirds, so they would fly down to Florida uh, my family had a small condo over the course of, I don't know how many years. I mean, we we always had a place in Florida since I was born. So I would spend marches, uh, March break in Florida. And sometimes, I you know, we would spend summertime vacations in Florida. And if you know Florida, it is the lightning capital of the world. Correct. So my fondest memories are are being at the ocean at night watching lightning um, and it was always, you know, over the ocean. So, you, you know, you could enjoy it. It wasn't raining. It was immaculate light shows. And I would always have a camcorder. I mean, my mother, she was filming my family. Uh, she was the original filmmaker. And I remember stealing her camcorder during uh, storm evenings and I would film it. And I would come home. This was back when there were VHS tapes. And I would take the lightning and I would tape edit it so that I would have this um, reel of just lightning strikes. And I would call it March Thunderstorms 1997. And back in Montreal during the wintertime, I would watch my lightning strikes on VHS oh, wow. tape. So I've been fascinated. Oh, you're a bonafide weather geek for sure. Well, welcome to the <laughs> fold. Anyone that's making clips of lightning. And yeah, what you're probably were looking at, just to geek out for a second, uh, was these sort of uh, land breeze storms uh, in the daytime? The storms are actually over the the land mass, but that circulation reverses. And oh, at night, those storms are out over the ocean, and they can be very brilliant lightning producers. So I've I've certainly experienced that as well. I I went to school at Florida State University, so very much uh, familiar with weather in Florida as well. Uh, that that's really fascinating. Let me give the listeners and viewers a bit of background on Jamie. He's the director of Supercell, which you heard me mention. He has a master's in fine arts and a BA from the USC Film School. In 2015, he created Swipe Market, a creative agency focused on bringing entertainment to Silicon Valley. He has directed and produced over 200 campaigns for brands including HP Enterprise and Intel. So clearly someone that knows what he's doing in that space. Are you a chaser as well? Have you chased storms? I mean, we're going to get to Supercell, but I'm trying to get to the point mm-hmm. of why you made Supercell. So have you done any chasing? Uh, you know, it's funny. I So I, I have this production company. We do a lot of marketing and branding. I did uh, Siberia when I was 28. 
And I really, I've always wanted to make movies my whole life since I was a kid. I was fascinated. I was obsessed with Steven Spielberg, Ron Howard, uh, you know, Robert Zemeckis. And, you know, Siberia comes out, it, it's television for NBC. And I, I felt like I didn't take advantage. I was a little young and dumb. And I thought because I did something, you know, impressive that things would just happen for me. But that's not how life works. You have to keep working. And this window kind of closed, and I, I just pivoted to advertising, but it didn't fill my need. And I always wanted to make a movie, but I needed a story to tell. Now, uh, around 2019, my mother was really sick with Alzheimer's. And I, you know, I was in a very low point in my life. I wasn't very happy. I wasn't fulfilled. Um, and my fiancé and I, this had nothing to do with making a movie. I just decided to go storm chasing because I've always wanted to do it. I I would go to Florida and I even went to Arizona because it's close to uh, to California for monsoon season because I loved I learned how to do pretty uh, great long exposures of lightning. So I decided to finally go storm chasing in the Midwest and I, I forget I, I just picked a random uh, severe event happening in West Texas um, and in 2019 I didn't know anything about storm chasing, so I called the first storm chasing tour company that came up on my Google browser, and it was Tempest Tours. Now, I didn't want to spend the money that they charged, and I couldn't afford to go for a 10-day trip. I just wanted to go for three, four days. So I spoke to Kim George, who's the uh, director there under Martin Lysias, and she was a sweetheart. She said, fly into Arlington, talk to my husband, who's a geologist. His name is Steve George. I did exactly that. We ended up in his office in Arlington, and he gave us a two-hour crash course on what the HER was, what the NAM nest was. He told us all the signs of how supercells work. He told us the three rules to abide by so we wouldn't get into any trouble, which is in the film. And sure enough, he said, we looked at this little HER model, and there was a little red dot over Ozona, Texas. He said, at 3 p.m., be here. And to me, I was like, how could forecasting get this specific that these models could pick up exactly where these storms are going to develop? And sure enough, the next day, my, uh, my, well, she was my girlfriend, now she's my fiance. We drove to, you know, that area, San Angelo, then Ozona. And I, it was exactly how it was on the model. There was this amazing atomic bomb through the cap rock that was just sitting there. And it was my first supercell. And I was hooked. And from that moment on, I, I just discovered the community of storm chasing. I, I, I saw all the same people that were on the side of the road. They ended up at the diner at the end of the night. And they would share. And it was this, this really cozy collegiate feeling. You could be 40, you could be 70, but you felt like you were in college. And I love that. And I think after that trip, I said, you know what, this is the story I want to tell. Oh, wow. This is really fascinating. I'm talking with Jamie uh, Winterstern. And yeah, you know, the you mentioned the models. Uh, for those that are listening or watching, he mentioned the HER model, which is a high resolution model. Uh, I, I think for someone that really is outside of our field, the fidelity and accuracy of these models is amazing in terms of they can produce simulated radar now that looks exactly like what it happens to be 
hours to a day or so later. And so we're looking for things like the cape, the instability, the shear. Uh, what are the initiation mechanisms? I teach a mesoscale radar meteorology course here at the University of Georgia and just spent an entire semester talking about these things that we look for to identify sort of the fingerprints of severe weather. I, so that clearly you have a chaser, uh, some chaser experience. Um, my producers pointed out that in the movie, you the, the words gorilla hail are mentioned. And so that gives me a clue that some of the people perhaps that you've talked to or been around or at least watched or been exposed to. So are there any sort of key chasers that you've come to really admire or interact with over the years? It's funny. Um, and, and the person you're mentioning is Reed Timmer. Um, I wasn't in contact with Reed prior to the making of the movie. I came into contact with Reed after the film, and we we'll, we could talk about this later. Um, but I, I just went on a chase in the Dom Three with uh, Reed this these, this past weekend. I had the experience of my life, but I I don't want to digress on that right now. Um, so yes, chasers were the lifeblood of this whole thing. I couldn't have made this film without the chasing community. Um, it started with Tempest Tours. Um, you know, Kim and and Steve led me to meeting Martin, who owns and, and operates that company. Martin is a fantastic storm chasing filmmaker who actually consulted on Twister, the original Twister. And he has a long pedigree and history in storm chasing. Through him, I met with Bill Reed. Um, you know, I Tessa conference with the Tessa uh, conference, which is held every two years. I attended that. I met Roger Edwards at the forecasting center. I would meet all of these meteorologists. Eventually, I met Skip Talbot who led me to Pecos Hank, who became, I think, my closest collaborator because I, I was able to use his entire library of footage to make the VFX, to make the skies look as real as they did. Um, so the, chase, the chasers were, were my colleagues in this, and I couldn't have done it without them. David Hoadley um, pretty much donated all of his illustrations from the original Storm Track to put as production design in the movie, so you'll see a lot of David Hoadley. Um, yeah, it was incredible working with the community. Yeah, we're going to geek out a little bit more because there's real science in this movie and some of the things that were utilized were fascinating to me. So when we come back from the break, I want to dig in more. And as we say in the podcast, geek out. Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and I'm speaking with Jamie Winterstern, director of Supercell. Now, it's let's just, just geek out here, because in the movie, it's great to see Roy and William use the Storm Prediction Center with the College of DuPage and analyzing storms. Uh, clearly, you did your research. Um, actors use terminology, terminology like enhanced risk to describe the threat for severe weather. Uh, tell us a little bit about, I mean, again, you talked about your experiences kind of leading up to this point, but immerse the listeners and viewers of Weather Geeks into the process of making Supercell. 
Well, you know, the thing is, it, you have to be. It, there's a balance to it, right? I, I I always wanted to make this film so that that percentage of storm chasers could watch it and feel like this was them. This was a good representation of them. And that was, you know, that led into all the tools that were used, the terminology, the lingo. Um, but, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a movie for the masses. It's, it's a family adventure. So really the heart of the story, and this may have disappointed some that were expecting the Roland Emmerich big budget blockbuster <laughs> like nonstop weather action, but this is really a family movie. It's a family drama at its core. And I, you know, for me, the, the inspiration was those films that we watched in the eighties and nineties, you know, movies like Jurassic park that were centered around family and, you know, the dinosaurs or the skies were almost a backdrop to what's really important because this movie is really about my parents and it's about, our, you know, our relationship to our parents and dealing with grief and dealing with loss and not taking our parents for granted. Um, so that was always at the center, always. And, uh, you know, the weather, when it did present itself, I did my best with the, the lack of budget we did have. Because we have to, people have to remember that Supercell is an independent movie. It's not a blockbuster. It's not a studio movie. I know Twisters is being made right now. And they're, they have, I, from what I hear, $200 million to make their film. Just to put it into perspective, we had about three to $5 million. So, you know, that's not a lot of money. A lot of indie dramas that center around people in a house are made for that amount of money, let alone tornadoes and special effects and everything we did. So it was a very thin budget. So I just had to, you know, I had to kind of tease the audience and I hope I did my job in terms of creating suspense because, you know, for me, the excitement was, you know, the characters and how they interacted and all the, the, the lead up to these events, which is what uh, Zane says uh, is it's 90% driving and 10% witnessing the creator's wrath because that's what storm chasing is. And some of my fondest memories, especially on this last trip with Reed Timmer, was all the fun stuff that we talked about hours in his Dominator until that, you know, those, those few hours of it's on and then, and then you get the action, but it was a balancing act. And, you know, I worked, I was very lucky to, um, I wanted to get all the, the, the collaborators, right. So I reached out to, uh, Paul Servaca and Ronald Stentz at the college of two page. I actually ran into Paul on this last chase for the first time we met in person and he showed the movie to his entire class um, which was awesome because obviously their, uh, you know, their modeling systems and, and, and everything that we use is in the film. Radar Scope gave us their license to use Radar Scope in the movie, which is fantastic. Uh, I, I, you know, Kelly Pirtle of the National uh, Weather That's Service the and yeah, the National NOAA. Severe Storms Lab. Yep. Yes, sorry. She she was able to get us uh, clearance to use the logo, so you'll see the National Weather Service logo on the damage surveyor jackets. It was, I just wanted this to be real. You know, if you're making a movie about the NFL, you want to use the NFL sure. logos, right? You want to use real teams. So for me, it was, it was trying to ground this and make this feel as real as possible. So we, yeah, and again, I mean, just 
kind of looking through some of the you know terminology there and so forth and the the bear's cage and the cap and the convergent zones and so forth yeah uh, yeah it's clear that you 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 took to heart that sort of two hour crash course that you heard but i'm curious as as you've been out there with reed and with others and by the way a couple of the folks at college of the page uh, shout out to dr victor Gensini and dr Wal- uh, walker ashley those are two alumni of our program here at the university of georgia and her faculty there, but as you've been out there in these environments, what has sort of what what do you recall or that struck you the most about being in these chase environments in real time? I will say that being with Reed Timmer was a wake up call <laughs> yeah. because you no, know, and 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 I say this with all the utmost respect for Reed because I all I knew from Reed was what I saw on television the Discovery Channel Storm Chasers series right um you know he's an animated guy who gets really close to the edge he wants to intercept these things you know and and I I didn't know what to expect and I I met the man and he is one of the most genuine kind souls I've met he is just sincerely a guy who loves what he does and I, he is so knowledgeable. Uh, it, it's funny. And then it's funny because the first two chase days were in Texas. And, and we were – they weren't great chase days. I think they were slight risk days. And, you know, I, I, I was just learning more about this man. And we were in the Dominator Dom 3, which is like famously known for all those uh, seasons. And this is the first time he's using it in five, six years. So it's exciting. And, and every time he goes to a gas station, it's – there's crowds that come up because it, this this vehicle is such a it's so much eye candy. It's hard for him to get out of the gas station to continue the chase because he just wants to please everybody. He wants to take every a photo with everybody, and I love that about him. But it wasn't until day three, and if you recall, uh, there was this really big storm in Linnaeus, Missouri, and the I think it was a five percent chance in that area. And we had chased all day and these storms, you know, they weren't, they were doing these like little ground brushes. There were a couple of like maybe small F zeros that were popping up. And then I was watching, you know, Reed interact with Jordan Hall, which is another chaser who was sitting shotgun. And I saw a different zone turn on. And it was, it was as if watching like two quarterbacks working uh, and they were, and I was just witnessing kind of the nonstop, you know, figuring out the routing to get yourself in these constant position for hours while they're doing a live stream, while they're capturing footage. And then the night, it, night started to fall, and we noticed that the electricity was really getting rampant, which is like, I guess that's showing that this thing is about to produce. And we saw this big knob, which I learned was the tornado cyclone that was just so stout. And we're driving toward Linnaeus and night falls and reads like, feel the wind. It's, it just feel the air. It's, it's turning hot. It's like becoming this crispy, hot air. And it, and it was surreal. The engine was revving and we would just drive and we would stop. And then you would see once we got to a clearing, this entire like circulation coming down to the ground. And it, I was shooting on my Sony and I felt like this was the most surreal experience. The way I can best describe it, I felt like I was in present. I was with, in present with God. <laughs> I it was, but but what what I wanted to say about Reed is that I never felt 
in danger. We could have been a couple football fields away from this thing that could have easily thrown this dom. Maybe it didn't. Maybe maybe the dom could handle the wind speeds. But I felt safe because I was with this guy that he felt like a, a tier above everyone else. And I the way I like to describe Reed is, you know, if Kasparov sees the chessboard, right? Or if Steven Spielberg sees through the movie camera, Reed Timmer sees the sky. Nobody can do it like him. And and he it's just he can like he just knows where to put himself. It's it's really an unbelievable thing to witness. So I was just beside myself. I'm still <laughs> having trouble describing yeah, the words. I can see the, but the li- I can see the yeah. You know, but but it, it's interesting, and I did want to bring this up because yeah, yeah. Reed's certainly one of the more experienced folks out there, and in, in Chase World, and he's you know he studied the field. A lot of people don't know this about Reed Timmer, but he's studied at the University of Oklahoma, one of the top programs. So he he's he knows the stuff. He has his he has his no, doctor. I, I, I didn't know if he had, I knew yeah. that he was working towards it and I, I did I just have a yeah. I've lost track of where he was in the process but I, right. I guess he did yeah. complete it but um I, I, but having said that there are some people that are critical of chasers or the danger um and you know at yeah. times I think some of that criticism is warranted because there's chaser convergence and lots of things going on but I also know that there's value in going out there and seeing nature and also being involved in this process. So just give us your perspective as someone that has kind of come into this, because there has been significant debate on both sides of the ledgers about chasing. So what would you add to that narrative? This is such, this is so, I mean, this is the theme of the film, right? Uh, It's do you chase for knowledge or do you chase for thrill? As people, uh, you know, human nature, I don't know if you can distinguish between the two because we we're just we're human beings yeah it's it's a it's it's emotion it's feeling it it's and i can tell you from being in the presence of that lineus tornado it's a drug i mean i'm addicted to that feeling i i want to go back back. i can tell (laughs) you know and i spoke to pecos hank after the chase and he is also you know a brilliant artist i call him an artist whereas as reed is a scientist to me Pecos is a true artist. It's a, there's a renaissance to how he chases, right? Because he makes these really remarkable YouTube films. You know, for him, the windshield is his sacred space, and 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 I loved how he worded that. Um, he likes to go alone. He doesn't stream. He doesn't put himself on the spar network. But to go back to answer your question, uh, it's a difficult subject matter because there's an inherent danger to doing this. And yes, you have convergence. You're going to have people that may or may not know what they're doing. You know, it's I, it's a very touchy subject, and it's something that I actually want to explore um, with a future endeavor. I, I'm working on a docu series about storm chasing, but I will say it's it's not something that is black and white. It's very gray, and I don't think you can really say it's inherently bad or it's inherently good i think there's good and bad that comes with this and it should be further investigated because i think um there is amazing uh, discoveries that are pushing severe science forward because of these people that put themselves out there that spend months away from their families that live unhealthy lifestyles eating terrible food and 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 having short sleeping hours it's not 
it's it's not a glamorous lifestyle. I can tell you that much. So I, I want to give credit where credit's due, but I do understand how it can be seen as as risk taking, almost daredevil like. But I think when you do have an understanding like Reed does, like you had an understanding like Tim Samaras did, I think there's a tremendous value of what I guess what I would call these people heroes because they're in a way the cowboys of the John Wayne past. But they're pioneers because they are pushing something forward. And I think there's there's respect that needs to be given, even though it is a controversial subject. I don't know if that answers your question. No, I, I, no, I wanted your take <laughs> as someone because, again, the perspectives are very much all over the place. And I, I think you captured the nuance of it very well. But when we come back, I want to kind of circle back to the film and movie uh, mm-hmm. one last time after the break. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and I'm speaking with Jamie Winterstern on, on, on his film Supercell, but a lot more, getting his insights on storm chasing and mesoscale meteorology, storm dynamics, all the things that we as meteorologists talk about. So uh, he's a bona fide weather geek, and so we, we welcome you to the fold. Um you mentioned your budget. It's certainly not like some of the big blockbuster budgets. Uh, you're wearing a Jurassic Park shirt as we are recording this with big budget film. I mean, how'd you go about doing your special effects and and doing scenes? I mean, given those budget requirements, does it take a little bit more creativity? Oh, yeah. I You know, it's in a way, it's, it's a lot more difficult, but it, it does create a, a sandbox, a really tight, with parameter sandbox, which forces you to make decisions, uh, which is always the most important part. Being a director, you know, what I learned, this is my first movie, um, and it was a huge learning curve. I, I had a lot of sleepless nights, and it probably wasn't until midway through production that I, I finally gained my bearings and, and started feeling that confidence to know that I, I had what it, it took to make a movie. But, um, yeah, you're given these problems every day that you have to solve. And, you know, truly when you're getting, you know, you have these parameters, it becomes pretty clear to you. Um, the one thing that I, I would say is less is more. Whatever the audience doesn't see will always be far more than whatever you could provide them. Uh, and that's an old Hitchcockian trait. Uh, you want to go back to Hitchcock. That's, that's the master of suspense right there. I mean, Spielberg borrowed a lot from Hitchcock, as you know. You can say Jaws was kind of this reintegration of what Birds was. Um, So for me, it was really finding the details because you you could, with a small budget, you could focus on very small frames. Uh, one big thing was keeping the camera subjective and always inside or around the vehicle. Uh, because you can control the environment around a vehicle with special effects. We had these Ritter fans that blew about 50, 60 mile per hour winds 
that would throw dust. We'd have rain machines that would be sitting above the van. So you could create chaos in a very controlled environment. Now, when, when, we, when we went big, there was no way we could produce uh, what you would be able to produce at a large scale. We didn't also want to do CGI because it's my belief that CGI at a large scale is very numbing. Um, you know, CGI was introduced uh, pretty much in the 90s with ILM, Industrial Light and Magic, and it was really computer imagery was introduced with Jurassic Park because originally they were supposed to do stop motion dinosaurs, but they realized that they could create VFX dinosaurs in wide shots that looked pretty realistic. And what happened was I feel like CGI has been abused where it's been pretty much, we're going to do everything in CGI. You watch a lot of Marvel films, you watch Transformers or the big 2012 and the uh, day after tomorrow. And it's almost, you don't feel anything because it's not grounded in reality. So for me, I I always wanted, by the way, that's been my sense just as a casual viewer. It's my perspective, and, and, and I feel like I don't want to uh, disharden or, or cause any uh, – you know, Marvel's is a great experience for in its own right. I think, you know, there's a reason why it's so successful. I'm not trying to bash those I movies, but in terms Absolutely. of – yeah. <laughs> but to create, to create a real grounded experience, you want the VFX to support the tangible, you know, what you could do in front of the camera. So – for me, it was knowing that I had a palette, uh, 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 I had a canvas that was the sky. Now, when we shot, it was always blue skies. We were in the big sky state, Montana, when we shot our exteriors. Um, and it was, it was something that could be replaced in post. But I needed footage to replace that. And who else better to go to than Pecos Hank, who's been shooting the most beautiful skyscapes for, what, 20 years and we befriended each other. He knew we didn't have a budget. He is an artist himself. He basically donated. I mean, we paid him a little sum of money, but he basically donated most of his, like the footage, uh, whatever fit the scene work. So there was this marriage between his footage and the foreground plates with a lot of practical effects in between for us to marry the two, you know, for and back. And there's a pretty cool video we made that's on his channel called Making of Supercell, which was just released two days ago. So you can kind of see how we work together. But it was, you know, I, that kind of was the uh, secret sauce to making the movie. Really amazing. What, one curious question. Were any of your cast members, the actors in the film, were they weather enthusiasts or weather geeks or did they become them afterwards? <laughs> I would I would say that I... I uh, I would say they, they they hopefully became weather geeks. I, I don't know if any of them were, were big on weather prior the film. I will say, you know, Skeet Ulrich, who, uh, who you guys remember from Scream, uh, he mentioned in the interview that it was not hard to act because we had the big fans on him. So we created the storm environment where, you know, he had to perform with, 50 mile per hour gusts with debris flying and rain falling because it wasn't hundred percent VFX. So I think they got the, the kind of a little bit of that feeling like you would get in the field with those big northerlies or westerlies or whatever direction the wind comes from. But I hope that, you know, going through the experience that when something pops up weather related, it piques their interest. I know that Alec Baldwin said also in an interview 
that he studied both Tim Samaras and Reed Timmer. He called them the two Tims uh, for his role of Zane. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah, and I did hear you say that you're working on some other things. Uh, so there are weather, more weather-related things coming from you, I, su- I assume. Yeah, I, I can't escape it. I, I really thought I would do Supercell and then move on with my life and try and focus on the next thing. But uh, there's a couple of things that I've got going on. One is a, uh, a seashell. There's a seashell documentary that I started filming last summer about Sanibel. Sanibel famously is known as the Mecca for seashells with the way the ocean topography works in the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, I don't know if you want to call it karma or what. Storms keep chasing me. Because a month after we started interviewing these people, Hurricane Ian made landfall and decimated the island. So we went back to track the stories of all these people that were affected and the island, you know, how they're rebuilding and surviving. Uh, You know, now it's, you know, eight to 10 months later. So we have that going on. But then after uh, spending all this time with all these uh, amazing, you know, uh, influential chasers, I'm starting to get the itch to to now tell, um, I guess, a more human story that, that could be presented in a docuseries about storm chasing. Um, I think it would be very fascinating to get not just the that 10% of chasing, which is the adrenaline rush, but that 90% of what it takes of these people that have to leave their children, that spend thousands of miles in their vehicles that survive off gas station food and roach motels. There's something there that um, I'm pursuing. So there's a lot of weather stuff that I just can't keep, I can't seem to kick yeah, right sure. now. No, it's, it's addictive. <laughs> All of us that got into this field, it, 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 there, it, it just sucks you in because there is a passion and interest there. So uh, I definitely resonate from a different lens and perhaps we'll see you at some of our big conferences, the, American Meteorological Society AMS conference main conference is in January up in Baltimore. It'd be awesome to have a filming or a supercell or a, or a screening of it. So hopefully the AMS folks will touch base if they hear this or watch this podcast. We, we've got to end it there. But where can people, well, first of all, where can people see supercell? So um, basically, Supercell right now is available for purchase online. You can go to iTunes, Amazon, Redbox, SupercellMovie.com has information. Also, if you want that Brody Storm Tour swag, you want the Brody Storm Tours hat or shirts, it's available for purchase at SupercellMovie.com. You can also go to your local Target um, or Best Buy. Um, This is also available for purchase online. It's a pretty cool DVD. It includes bonus features, um, which is uh, the making of Supercell, as well as commentary and um, the proof of concept that I did leading up to the film, which includes a lot of chase footage. And uh, yeah, if you enjoy the film, please go on Rotten Tomatoes and uh, give it a a good rating and a good review. Every review counts. um, And I hope you guys enjoy the film. It was made with a lot of love. Are, Are you on social media anywhere that people can follow you? Yeah, so uh, Instagram. I know weather's a big Twitter thing. There's a weather, I, weather Twitter not, at WX Twitter is a big follow. I, yes, I got to get the Twitter thing going. But I'm, I'm I live pre- predominantly on uh, Instagram. Uh, Supercell the movie is the handle for Instagram at Supercell the movie, and then me personally, it's HJW Films, 
which is, uh, you know, my, my, na- my screen name and the name I was given to birth, Herbert James Winterstern, even though I go by Jamie. So those are the two places you can get updates on everything going on. Very good. Uh, film-wise. Well, this has been amazing. I'm really uh, honored that you re- took the time to join us. I, I, I have not seen Supercell, but I will see it shortly because I actually we just finished our semester here, so I actually have time to catch up on some movies. Uh, Jamie, thank you so much for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. Thank you, Marshall. And it's Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia. Uh, thank you all for joining us. I'm headed to watch Supercell. See ya. Thank you.